Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. There are so many organizations that think they know everything about their customers, but when you ask them, what does your customers feel? What emotions do they feel? What drives value? How do you use behavioral science? They're missing out on so much information. Do you like the way I did that? It's nice working with professionals, Colin. <laughs> and when you do, let me know. <laughs> it exists in our minds. Our intuitions come from our minds. And they come specifically from, you know, we've talked about this two-part model of cognition. We've got the rational brain and we've got the intuitive brain. Our intuitions come from the intuitive brain, from the, the system one, if you like that terminology. It's, it's from this automatic, fast part of our brain. So, Colin, today we're going to talk about intuition. I knew you were going to say that. Ah, oh, very nice. Some, very something nice. told me you were going to talk about that. I don't know what yeah, it was. Yeah, I told you we were going to talk about that. I sent you an email. <laughs> oh, it was, it not, was you. Yeah, it was no, not intuition. <laughs> no, we, we've all had these experiences, though, where we, we feel like we can anticipate what's coming. I remember the first time I met you, I immediately didn't like you or trust you. And I, I feel, you know, eight or nine <laughs> Pretty years much later, the same. <laughs> justified in that. I think in certain ways, in certain settings, intuition might be more valued in business than analysis. Like we want somebody who, I, th I think it's a large part of expertise as people perceive others as experts, they just seem to know the answer right away. They don't, you know, your, your prototypical expert doesn't say, well, give me the data and let me come back to you in a week. Sure. The expert sure. has the answer. You know sure. what to do. It's, it's the classic of my guts tell me to do this. Yes, or, exactly. Yeah, or even, even saying the phrase actually, it's a no-brainer means yeah. that you've you don't you know, think about thought it. about it. Yeah, it's just obvious, and it may not necessarily be obvious to everybody. There's even proponents out there who suggest that we should be relying on our intuition more. That our our guts are very wise, um, you know, or that our our lizard brain is very well attuned. To what's going on? The the Malcolm Gladwell book Blink, I think, made this argument yeah. it was in yeah, a very entertaining that. way. It's a great read. There's research on this, and I'm here to tell you that it's not that simple. That it's not the case that we should always be trusting our intuition, that our intuitions are not always right, and that the research suggests we can actually anticipate when our intuitions are likely to be good and when we should be more cautious in relying on our intuition. Does some type of light come on your head or something like that? Is there like a red yeah, light? Yeah, that's what you look it's, for. It's, so yeah. check a mirror. If there's a, if there's a physical right. light bulb glowing above your head... That's yeah. when you know your intuition is good. Okay, great. Is that why I I never seen one of them before? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keep waiting. It'll happen. Um, I spend a lot of time in dark rooms, just waiting, waiting for that. Uh, a lot of what I'm going to talk to us about today uh, comes from a economic psychologist. Uh, I think is what he prefers to be called, named Robin Hogarth. And so he's been researching intuition for for decades. He's written a number of great books on the topic. 
Uh, one that I've I've read recently is called The Myth of Experience. Yeah, and we'll put a link in the uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, and so he, he reviews a lot of the principles. So if you want to go more into depth on that, uh, he's also got you know YouTube videos up there, and so. In order to understand this more, um, let's talk about what our intuition actually is. And this links back to some of the ideas we've talked about before. So, you know, we talk about intuition being located in our, our gut or sometimes in our heart. It may be located in your pituitary gland. I don't know where it is in you. It doesn't actually exist there. It exists in our minds. Our intuitions come from our minds and they come specifically from, you know, we've talked about this two-part model of cognition where we've got the rational brain and we've got the intuitive brain. Yeah. Our intuitions come from the intuitive brain, from the, the system one, if you like that terminology. It's, it's from this automatic, fast part of our brain. And so to understand what guides our intuitions, we need to understand what guides the intuitive system, what guides the system one. So our intuitions really are just correlational observations that we make. So if you are out there and and that automatic part of your brain is, this is its primary job, in my opinion, is to just put ideas together. So as you, you've got all this information coming in, it's just constantly looking for what things are co-occurring. Like, oh, that's happened before along with this thing. Let's link those ideas together. Yeah. And you get that happening enough and you, these connections become strong. So now when you see one thing, you start to expect another. Yeah. That's where they talk about, don't they, that human beings are are pattern machines. Yes, so that's we exactly. pick up pick up patterns of well, when I do this, I mean, obviously, the show is called the Intuitive Customer, and you said a word there which I think is key for me from a customer experience perspective, which is it's an automatic decision. You don't have to think about it. You just like me with Apple. I buy Apple. I'm not interested in looking. I don't even know what what the bloody software numbers are on the on windows machines or anything like that anymore you're making an automatic choice but that choice has been homed over a number of years based upon the experiences and uh, the information you've got and the patterns that you've picked up and everything else yeah no i mean your your decision to buy apple without even thinking about it is based in part on your pattern making machine this automatic system that is pairing positive experiences with using Apple products over time. And so over years, as you observe other people using Apple products in a way that you like or admire, as you observe their kind of branding, as you you know experience it yourself, all these ideas are being connected. And that's forming an intuition of a, of a type that says, well, if it's Apple, then it's got to be good, right? Because those ideas are connected. Among. And not only is it happening automa- automatically and outside of your control, you cannot control it. Like this, is, this sure. automatic part of the brain is truly automatic. We cannot concentrate and make these connections form intuitively. It's, it's just happening based on what we're exposed to, based on the, sure. the ocean we're swimming in. Good? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So if that's our model of, of uh, intuition, if that's our understanding, it doesn't come from our guts, it comes from this automatic part, then really our intuitions are in two forms. Some are hardwired, some are automatic. So that there are experiments where they'll take like pre-verbal infants, very, very young children, and show them pictures of snakes and spiders, probably before they've ever been exposed to them before, and there will be an automatic negative reaction to it. So heights is another one where we can be 
pre-programmed to fear heights and to fear certain predator animals. Must be like horses when they where they're born and they automatically stand. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Like all of us come with some like hardware or some software like preloaded, like uh, we react in certain ways. And so those are intuitions, like those exist in our intuitive system. And some people are able to overcome them. They're stronger for some people than for other people, but they, they kind of exist for everybody. There's a whole nother set of system or, or intuitions which are learned. So we, we come to be exposed to these ideas over time and they, they form automatically and that. And that's, that's the kind of more useful thing. So when we talk about an expert having great intuition, right? Yeah. Presumably, if that's true, and, and we'll talk about instances where we might think that's true, but it's not actually true. If that's true, it's because their, their intuitive system has been trained up over time to have a, a set of good and useful correlations. So if they, yes. they walk into a situation where it's like, all right, here we've got this business problem, and they're like, okay, I've experienced this a lot before. When it's this kind of business problem, it's this kind of solution. So this comes back into the other Gladwell book, which was uh, talks about 10,000 hours. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So 10,000 hours. To be so that tipping point? No, tipping point was a separate book, I think. He's written too many books. Malcolm, if you're listening, slow down. <laughs> the Outliers. Outliers. There you go. Outliers. And the other part that was making me thinking is that sort of classic of gray hair. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you're going to listen to more to someone who has been around the block a few times than somebody that's completely yeah. new. But that doesn't necessarily mean to say that the person with the gray hair has the answers. This goes back into, and this is why I thought this subject would be interesting. There is this, and I love the title of the book that you're talking about, The Myth of Experience, because it basically says, actually, it's not necessarily about experience. Right, right. And again, it's not that experience is bad or not useful or, and it's also not that we can't trust our intuitions, right? It's, yeah. it's not an either or situation. It's not that our intuitions are always right and we should trust them or that they're always wrong and we should ignore them. It's when can we do one and when the other? Yeah. So should you trust the guy with gray hair? No, not all the time. There are lots of areas where they're, they're going to be very ignorant. But, you know, there's also a lot of data that new pilots and new surgeons are kind of dangerous. Like we, we want sure. people who have a little bit more experience because they, they've developed more of those connections. So by understanding where these intuitions come from and what can influence them, we can start to anticipate then when might intuitions be useful to us. And and this guy, Robin Hogarth, he talks about two types of environment. And I, I so he's British too, um, Robin Hogarth is. And so I assume this is where he came up with these. I like him already. I thought you might. But he he talks about kind environments and wicked environments, which I, I think is just like such a delightful phrase or delightful terms to use for that. So when you're in a kind learning environment, there are a couple of key aspects that happen. You receive feedback on your choices. That feedback comes quickly. It is a low... I'll call it a low causal density environment. In other words, it's pretty easy to determine what caused what. Yeah. And so if you if you're in an environment with all those characteristics, there's a good chance your intuition will end up being pretty good. Isn't it as well that you've got all of the information effectively? Yeah, I would I would link that to this causal density idea. 
I'm just trying to put it in lame. I'm trying to put it in layman's language. Well, don't, know, things don't. that people would understand. You know, no, your intuition to make it understandable is no good. <laughs> Let me complicate it. Yes, absolutely. So if if I've only got a little bit of information and there's a lot going on, that is that is not a kind environment, right? If either there's just not a lot going on, and so my little bit of information is enough, like that's enough to know what's going on, or there's a lot going on and I have a, a pretty good deep understanding. Those could be kind, of, but if not, they're wicked. So wicked environments are ones that are the opposite. It's where you don't get a lot of feedback on your decisions. When you do, it's not rapid. So like, we're going to implement this program. We're going to make this decision. Like, I'm going to choose to go to this place for college. And then like 10 years later, I'll be able to know if that was a good decision or not. That's a wicked environment from an intuitive standpoint. And then also when it when it's just a very complex setting where there's lots of information, there's lots of potential causes for any effect. If our intuition is trained in a kind environment, we can probably trust it. It's probably very good. If it's trained in a wicked environment, we probably should not. Yeah, so as I was looking into this, doing my due diligence before the show. Checking to make sure if I'm lying. Go ahead, Colin, what were you saying? (laughs) It made me think of, so the keys for me were, you can't just trust your guts, which is, so I really like the the book Blink. Yeah. I thought it was great the way that you could go. I always remember them talking about looking at a statue and the, the expert going, is this a genuine statue or not a genuine statue and the expert could go yes and you go well why did he make that choice well he made that choice because all the various things that he've learned over the years the thing that get me got me was and made me think yeah this is so appropriate to customer experience was it's in complex decision making or complex domains so again building in your bit about the expert it's about well how many experts said that we were going to have a you know the great recession right yeah hardly any yeah virtually none how many the ones that did were not listened to like they were rejected yeah, as absolutely i mean it's yep. the, the, the really good film the big short so how many experts and these are people that are, are running the economies etc you know you think of companies like kodak and blockbuster and you know just think of electric cars i mean why in the hell did the auto manufacturers not get on board with electric cars beforehand. I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's complex domains. And the way it made me think about it was the phrase I love, which is, I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know what I don't know, but I still make a decision. But I'm making a decision based upon potentially incomplete information. But, and here's the key, but I think all of the information is there. So the danger is, building on what you were just saying, I think that I'm making it in a kind environment and making a decision in a kind environment, not realizing, because I don't know what I don't know, that it's actually a wicked environment and therefore I'm making the wrong judgment. Does that make sense? Oh, I, I think that was very well put. I also love the phrase, don't know what I don't know. I, If it's helpful, Colin, I do know what you don't know, and I've got a list here. I can <laughs> I can send you an email. No, it's I not always if, easy. I don't know if Google Mail would be able to, would be able to uh, manage all of those entries on there. <laughs> I'm going to crash your inbox. 
Um, yeah, it only takes up 25 meg. Sorry. No, no, your, your point is a great one. It is not always going to be obvious to us when we're in the situation, whether we're in a kind or a wicked learning environment. I, I yeah. think it's a great point. And tying some of these ideas together. So the Malcolm Gladwell book Blink opens with that example about the, the art experts who, who had an intuitive yeah. feeling that a statue was fake, even though they couldn't put their finger on it. I would argue that according to Hogarth's definition, those art appraisers were operating in a kind environment. So even though art is very complicated, it's a relatively circumscribed field. And so as you're exposed to more and more of these statues over time, your intuitive system is like putting these links together. And so if you find a statue where the hands are just slightly too big or a slightly different style, then your intuitive system is able to say that doesn't fit with these correlations, even if I can't articulate why. Sure. And so that that was a kind of environment. There was another example that he gave in the book, which was of a, uh, a research institute that studied relationships, where they would videotape a couple interacting for 10 minutes or 20 minutes, and then they would break, they would slow down the video and they would break it down and they would, they would then be able to code all of the responses, verbal and nonverbal, and they would be able to predict with a high level of accuracy whether that couple would be together five years later. Oh, yes, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, And I, I he gave that. that as an example of intuition, which was weird to me because that's the opposite of intuition. These sure. researchers didn't watch those people interacting and go, yeah, they're going to get a divorce. They slowed down the tape. They coded everything. They threw it into a model. And then out came the response. And I would argue that most of the things dealing with humans, unfortunately, is going to be a wicked environment. Sure. Because humans are just so complex. Complicated. And, they're so, yeah. and that yeah. doesn't mean we can't predict them, but it means that our intuition is probably not going to be great. Hi, this is Colin, and I wanted to ask you a favor. It would really help Ryan and I if you could spend a moment and complete a review of the podcast. Positive reviews help us get out to more people, and we love hearing from our listeners and seeing what people have written. So please, just take a moment and complete a review. Thanks very much for your help. Yeah, now there's a really interesting link here. Uh, this is as if we planned this show, mate. So one of you the things You keep giving that... away the... <laughs> Let them think we planned it, Colin. <laughs> so one of the things that they talked about in that study, because it's always... Uh, I, I remember looking into this about 10 years ago, and I think I even contacted them to appear in one of my books. And one of the key emotions that couples that were going to divorce felt was they felt their partner was condescending yeah that was a key yeah that if they saw that a partner was condescending then eventually they would end up getting a divorce okay so how does that apply to custom experience so as i was thinking about this it made me think as i i was watching these videos and we'll put some links in in the show notes again about the other uh, videos so you can see them as well but one of the things that they, I was thinking is, yeah, there are so many organizations that think they know everything about their customers. But when you ask them, what does your customers feel? 
what emotions do they feel what drives value how do you use behavioral science do you even understand behavioral science i was with somebody the other day that never even heard of the subject you know they're missing out on so much information that they think they know they think they're in this kind environment they think they know everything and therefore they're making decisions based upon what they think they know is the world but actually it's because they don't know what they don't know and they hadn't thought about emotions what drives value behavioral science and all the things that we talk about on the podcast that absolutely like the iceberg critically affect the customer's experience yeah i i I think it's a great parallel right so if you know, it may be like those relationship researchers where if we're trying to anticipate customer experience or customer behavior, that we have these intuitions that may have been trained up in this wicked environment where we, and to be clear, your intuitions still exist if you were in a wicked environment. Like your brain is still forming those connections, just that the connections are not good. Yes. So you still got an intuition, but what we should be doing instead is what those relationship researchers were doing, which is applying a much more analytical framework where we step back and we incorporate the science and we try to slow things down and, and get a lot more data. And because we should know that our intuitions are, are just not going to be that good in these complex settings, usually where people are making decisions because people are yeah. just very, very complex. Yes. So, so let me try and bring this to life for people by giving people a hypothetical example. But I think this hypothetical example is is one that people will relate to. So imagine that you've set up a, you're in this organization and they've set up a customer experience team. Your job is to improve the, the customer experience. And then imagine six months after this customer experience team has been set up, a new product is launched by the company. And then imagine that after the the launch of that product, the revenues go up from that organization, okay? Well, in my experience, a lot of people in that organization would turn around and say, ah, yeah, well, we launched this new product and therefore sales went up and and that's the reason for for the increase. But what they don't know is that actually when the customer experience team was set up, they spent three months doing research. And in the second three months, they enacted upon that research because they found out the emotions that customers were trying to evoke. They looked at which things drove value. And actually, it just just coincided that the improvements that they made actually were the thing that affected the revenues. Okay, So the point I'm trying to make is supporting your point, which is, the danger is is everybody looks at things in the same way and their intuition comes up with the makes the same old connections that it, it always has made and come up with the wrong results as opposed to looking at things from a different perspective and coming up with new results and it's a bit like the the film moneyball mm-hmm. i think everybody Absolutely. must have seen that but you know, for those of you that haven't, it's where I mean, I, I read the book. If you if you watch movies, that's that's fine. That's fine. But I <laughs> I read the book. Well, you're a professor. I wouldn't actually. I, I anything did both. Else. Um, the movie was great too. Yeah. The the book. I don't know why, but the, I think it's just because you can see it in your imagination, can't you? But a book is always better than a film. 
But yeah. uh, there we go, we digress. For those of you that haven't seen Moneyball, what it's about is how a baseball team, how they used to go around making decisions was to say, hey, we need a left-hander, we need a batter, whatever it may be, and you know, we need someone that can come in and do this. And it was all based upon experience. And what they did instead was to say, hey, let's just look at the statistics because nobody's looking at the bloody statistics. We need somebody that can produce this amount of shots and this person may not fit your model of what an excellent hitter looks like, but actually look at their statistics. It's looking at those things from different perspectives, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's a great example because that industry of talent scouts in baseball was entirely intuition driven. And so you had these scouts who would just look at these players and like get a feeling like, yeah, that, that, that kid's going to be a breakout star. Yeah. And unfortunately, that was a wicked learning environment. The number of baseball players, even very talented baseball players, who become star players is really small. Sure. And there's there's a lot of causes. You know, it could be a great player who's just put on a bad staff. Like you put put a great great player in a bad team. Sometimes it's not enough for them to break out, or they you know they could be injured, or they could just have a good day or a bad day when they're observed. It's just it's not a good environment for strong intuitions to, to form and be accurate. But everybody who was doing it was just relying on their intuition. And so you had it was an opportunity for somebody to come in with a different approach and say, well, what if we what if we applied a more analytic step away from intuition approach? And it became very successful. And that's now taken over uh, the way yeah. these decisions are made there. Yeah. So let's go into do our usual bit at the end there, mate. What, what's the what's the so what? So all interesting stuff, but what does this mean that people should do to improve their customer experience? What's your thoughts? You should probably not be relying on intuition as often as you are. And I say that just because you're a human being sure. who's listening to this. Like all of us should. We want to, right? Uh, it makes us very efficient. It makes us very fast. In many cases, it's hard to prove us wrong <laughs> based off of our intuition because a lot of the decisions we make are in this kind of gray area where, well, maybe it helped, maybe it didn't. But most of the stuff that we do, especially anything dealing with human beings, it's probably a wicked learning environment. And so we shouldn't trust our intuitions as much as we do. So at least pair your gut feeling with some data and with some, you know, a more analytic approach. You know, you may just get a bad vibe from somebody and maybe you shouldn't ignore that. But if that's the only way you're making decisions, you're kind of setting yourself up to fail. The, the last connection I'll make, and I don't, I don't want to divert us, but artificial intelligence systems are kind of artificial intuition systems. So the way, you know, when you build an AI model, there's a, there's a training phase, which is where you just feed data into it. And essentially it's doing the machine version of, this automatic process of just finding connections and finding links. And so as great as AI machines are, we should also recognize that those systems, those programs will be open to the same kind of critique. Are we, are we feeding it with data that will be kind, that, that will produce good insights, or are we feeding it with a wicked set of data that'll produce all kinds of, of wild things? Or are we feeding it with a kind environment? Kind of the last part of this is, if you develop a great set of intuitions in one setting and then we move you over to a different setting, 
a lot of people will bring their intuitions with them. But now we're in a different setting. It shouldn't apply. Like there are lots of business examples of business leaders who are really successful. And then so we're going to move you over here and to a different industry with a different set of competitors and a different set of products. And then they fail miserably. And I think some of that is because they're bringing their old, well-trained intuitions into a different environment. So your intuitions are great, but we need to be really cautious about how broadly we apply them. Yeah, no, I I think that's a, a good bit of advice. Let me try and add a couple of other bits. And the AI analogy is a good one as well, because the, the issue for me is AI machines are being built with the people that are building them, their biases. Absolutely. Consequently, if you're a left brain thinker and don't think about customer emotions and you don't think about behavioral science, guess what? You or you're going to build an AI system that is just going to look at the left brain analytical stuff rather than recognize the emotional and behavioral science stuff. So that, that's the first thing. I think top level, the issue for me is this. You need to be curious. You need to look into things and you need to think, I don't have all the answers. That's one of the biggest things I learned as a leader early on was I used to think in my 20s that as the leader of the organization, I should have all the answers. What I realized was, actually, I shouldn't have. I should create the environment where all these things should happen. So, And now we go into diversity and all the rest of it. But the issue becomes, it's being curious. It's being taking a step back and going, well, no, actually, we know we need to bring some expertise in from from this area or from that area. And again, we've talked about this many times before. We need to experiment and not just rely on our guts. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's, I think the other thing I'd say is it's never one thing or the other. Right? And it's never black or white. It's always gray. So we're not saying don't listen to your intuition, but we're also saying, you can't make every decision based on your intuition. So, you know, you end up in this gray area where if you're sensible, you'll use a, a bit of both. Yeah, yeah. No, you and I have talked before about how expertise and experience will hopefully lead you to make better hypotheses, which you can then test more efficiently and continue to learn in that way. Absolutely. Good. So in my experience, it's about time that we uh, ended this show. Yeah, that was smooth. It was well done. Oh, it was yeah. good, wasn't it? Did you like the way I did that? It's nice working with professionals, Colin. <laughs> and when you do, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we uh, look forward to talking to you next week on the on the show. Cheers. This has been the Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton, but it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.